Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. I'm here with Daryl Slater. This is a podcast where we only cover teams that are in contention for the NFC East title. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think when you hear me say that like, it's just <laughs> oh, you're gonna get a lot of people clicking off within what 25 26 seconds here at the start of the thing so that's hey, i've seen a lot of giants fans that are like crazy optimistic all of a sudden thanks for the oh. the six people that were listening before and now it's down to three <laughs> after you said that optimism I mean, right? I mean that, it, hey, it, mathematically yeah it's the nfc east is i mean it feels like every year there's like a division where Everybody probably overreacts, but this feels like as bad as I can ever remember a division being like none of these teams look anything like a team that deserves to even be mentioned next to the word playoffs, let alone like like the Giants are one in five and they're talking about, you know, the, the, the team is talking all about like how they have the whole season in front of them and all this stuff. Like most teams, when they start own five, like it's done, you're over. But yeah. like and, and the Giants, like talent wise and I mean, even that Sunday game, nobody. I know you and I didn't. I'm guessing a lot of other people didn't walk out of that game on Sunday against Washington thinking, you know what? The Giants actually have a chance. Like, they did not look good. They probably shouldn't have won the game. The offense still wasn't very good. They only won because of the defense. And even the defense only almost uh, blew it at the end. And then Ron Rivera decided to go for two for the win for some reason. Got to respect the riverboat. Um, and then the Giants won the game 20-19 to 19 against a Washington team that might be one of the very few teams that are worse talent-wise than the Giants. Look, I mean, mathematically, if if my wife and I decided to have another kid, mathematically, we could have <laughs> sex tuplets. What is that, six or seven? But that would be a nightmare. That would be awful. And I think <laughs> similarly, if the Giants, I just thought of this, if the Giants make the playoffs at what, five and 11 or four? Oh, God, yeah. We were talking about this last night. Also yeah. awful because yeah, that's like that's like a bad <laughs> scenario for them, <laughs> right? Because it's like it could happen, but it's bad because you know dropping the draft order. That's really the reason why dropping the draft order maybe gives you false hope. You keep Dave Gettleman. Look, they're not they're not making the playoffs with that record. Probably ultimately in the end, the division champ wins six or seven games. It'll wash out like that. Uh, I don't think the Giants are going to get there, so uh, it's a moot point. But. Yeah, sure. You'd expect the the, the players to have, uh, you know, that that outlook. I mean, it's interesting to hear, you know, that this team talk versus the Cowboys, who are are the yeah. Cowboys still in first place in the division? Yeah, yeah they have, they're the only team with two wins, and they're imploding. And they're obviously, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're they're, they're talking to the press about how bad of a coach Mike McCarthy is, and the way if you just even look at the quotes, like the 
the on the record quotes. It's just like the season's already over for them. I know it's crazy, and <laughs> and and it's really not. And they could win the division. Um, they're definitely the most talented team, even still without Dak Prescott, right? Or maybe the Eagles. I guess. Yeah, I mean, at least offensively, they are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Eagles are so injured to the point where like. I don't even know if you can say that about them. Like it just, it's it's the crazy part. Like I, so I was on a radio. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. I went on a radio, uh, radio station in Philly this morning, and they were like, "So who do you, who would you say is like the favorite to win the division at this point?" I'm like, it, "Is is nobody an option?" <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know how to answer that. I I said the Eagles just because in sure. theory, if they get healthy, like they have some talent on defense. Carson Wentz is healthy. You know, maybe they get Deshaun Jackson back and Zach Ertz or whatever. Like, like I only say that reluctantly. Yeah, look, I mean, it's a weird year and a weird division. I mean, they this division has been bad recently too. I mean, so it's not like it's anything yeah. new. But the Giants have to focus on more micro stuff than winning the For division, sure. and they are, and they are, and I mean, we'll get to that. Joe Judge is good at that, I would say. Yeah, and then that, that has to be their focus is getting better every week because, like you said, I mean they probably should not have won that game last week against Washington. And so it, the, the fact that they won almost masks um, a lot of the issues that continue to be uh, problematic. And we, weirdly, even though it's like a road game and there's going to be some fans, I feel like the Giants, like the short week actually helps them maybe a little more than the Eagles just because of how banged up the Eagles are. Cause you have a lot of like Miles Sanders isn't going to play this week. Um, I don't think Deshaun Jackson's like a lock. You know, Alshon Jeffrey, they, the Eagles are so banged up like Lane Johnson might not play. If, if so, if the Eagles, all these players aren't playing for them, that gives the Giants a better shot. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a Giants team. I wrote this coming out of Sunday's game that it really has to have a lot of stuff break their way and they got to yeah. win ugly and low scoring and that's okay. They don't need to apologize for that. This is a team that doesn't have a lot of talent and uh, they're you know still rebuilding. So no one expects them to go out there and blow the doors off a team that is fully healthy and has superior talent. So you know, they shouldn't apologize for the, the Eagles injuries. So look, I think the Eagles, you know, probably better team even with the injuries, but yeah. uh, it'll make it a closer game on Thursday night. So maybe, maybe worth staying up for for people who uh, <laughs> uh, didn't want to stay up for the game late. Um, so there's look. I mean, you think like you, you look at the, that matchup and you say, oh, Thursday night game uh, between a team that's what one and five and one four and one. I'm not staying up for that game. Well, <laughs> between the Eagles' injuries and the fact that the, that the division is now wide open. Uh, maybe maybe you will stay up and watch it. If- I, think, I, I know a bunch of Giants fans that are like paying the exorbitant amount of money it takes to go to the game too. Lord. It, What's it, the ticket cost? It's got to be a couple hundred at least, oh, even okay. for like. And and I don't, I don't even know exactly like what the seating arrangement looks like because I didn't get to watch last week's game. But I don't understand like, it. I don't yeah. get that. Why? I think it's like I think it's like seven thousand, and that includes like media team and all that stuff like that that's the most that can be in there so it's probably like five thousand fans if i had to guess right here's where that would make sense to me like if you're going to see for instance like a band that you really like and it's a prominent band and they're playing a small venue for that fills to four thousand people or whatever and it's going to sell out you pay that money to go see your band in a smaller venue i guess maybe you would want you could see the rolling stones or whoever in a giant stadium with five thousand people that would just be weird to me i mean it wouldn't yeah yeah Uh, it would feel echoey and not fun. I mean, I don't understand going, wanting to go to a football game. I guess people have more disposable income than you and I do, but um, (laughs) if anything, I, you know, 200 bucks you spend on a sold out playoff game, I get that. But what, I don't understand spending that type of money to go, to go to, to like a dull environment um, and watch this game on Thursday night. I don't, 
I don't get it. What's special well, about that besides the fact that you could well, get corrupt? Well, I guess well, I, I don't I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I guess, I don't know if you saw that uh the video that went around last week from the Eagles game of but you have as, as a road fan, you have a chance to get in a real good fight with uh, I sent with that to fan. you. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay, you sent it you, to me. Okay. So for $200, you can go sit there and get punched. <laughs> and get punched. In the face. <laughs> like the the dude it was like so the Eagles for anyone who didn't see like the, it was a Ravens fan and an Eagles fan. Ravens fans like 10 rows down. So the Eagles fan had like the the higher uh angle which right. is always bad for a fight for the other guy. Um and so he he like slowly goes down the rows and then he just like wails the other dude and there's like no security anywhere to be found. It was just like I'm sure that that probably opened the Eagles security eyes you would think. I don't know, but I mean it, it, it was just it was just funny that even with a small like I I'm I'm from the Philly area. I think I don't think the the their reputation is as bad as it, it as you know these videos that go viral. But it's just funny that like they have that reputation and there's only five thousand fans there and they still got in a fight. Yeah, and like fighting is one thing, obviously, and you, you know that happens at Eagles games. But you know this uh, sparse crowd setup. How long before a couple people are caught? Look, you know, going at it in a different way. And, and <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest, I mean, it could happen. It could happen. Sparse crowd, you know, no security around. Your drinks in you. Few drinks. Yeah. And I'm, hey, I'm not trying to give anyone any ideas, but maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll be a better use of your time than punching somebody in the face uh, if you want to go ahead and do that. Um, I would say, generally speaking, I, I don't understand the appeal of punching somebody in the face or getting punched in the face. Sure, I, just I mean, especially if you're going to a game and you, you're going to get kicked out if you do that. Yeah, and um, it's going to be easier for the Eagles to identify you to, like, ban you from coming, in theory. So. so yeah, I don't get it, but, you know, it happens. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's, and, kind of, uh, that's kind of the funniest. Like, this whole fan thing, like, it's hard to... Because, like, normally when you talk about games, you talk about the factor of being on the road and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. even with... Like five thousand fans, that doesn't do anything. Like that's not gonna change the outcome of it. Like I don't think the fans necessarily do that anyway. There's definitely a home field advantage in some places. Philly in particular, I think you could you could say that. But like that that's why it's like it's like so weird. The season is just so strange because it's kind of like even the playing field in a weird way. It definitely has. Like I barely know it anymore when I'm writing like who yeah. has coming up that the game is on the home even home like, like do, do the Vegas lines account for that even that's like I, I was literally about to wonder that because usually you get as people may know three points right three points yeah for being yeah. at home um but i don't know if they've shrunk that and that's an interesting i'm sure it's out there somewhere um and but certainly it depends on if there's fans right so maybe if you're yeah. at MetLife stadium um the jets are only getting giants only getting one point and the, the eagles at home maybe with seven thousand fans or whatever getting getting two or one and a half or something like that so um yeah. I don't know. What's the line on, on Thursday's game? Six or something? I believe it was five and a half. Eagles by five and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I should say, you know, you're seeing a lot of teams get their fans in the stadium. Um, I'm pretty skeptical that that's going to happen at all in New Jersey, especially because yeah. Phil Murphy has been pretty hard line with his like coronavirus restrictions. They keep adding states to the advisory and, and, and I mean, and the numbers in New Jersey have gone up. And so it's, that like that i'm sure fans are ho- like hopeful because you see around the league and you see all these all these like the saints are adding in and they have a dome they're gonna have some fans in there they're gonna like gradually do it um but i, I would be pretty surprised if there was any fans at metlife this season yeah same and i, I don't really think it's the end of the world if you can't pay 200 dollars to go be one of seven thousand people in an eighty thousand seat stadium yeah i look i <laughs> i think most people would happily live without that quote-unquote privilege so um 
Yeah, it'll be a different environment for sure on Thursday night compared to, geez, I think the last time I was at the an Eagles game, I was with you. and Yeah, playoffs, right? Yeah. Playoffs, yep. It was the, it was the uh, Seahawks. And remember, Clowney hit uh, Carson yeah. Wentz. And, people and Josh played. McCown played a playoff game, his McCown first playoff game. played, and then Clowney. Wow, that feels, like, that feels like years ago. Yeah, Clowney popped off. Remember, he was talking about how Eagles fans told him, like, you know, uh, well, he had had pre- a previous beef with them, right? And yeah, uh, he should be in jail or something like that. Right? He was <laughs> like, yeah, these people hate me, and he was smiling the whole time. So a lot's changed for him where he is, and you know, certainly some has changed for the Eagles in terms of the the, the makeup of their team. And they they don't look like a playoff team, but as we said at the top, um, they could wind up back there. Yeah. So before we like spin it for because we we've talked a lot of big picture stuff. Like, what what was there any like big picture thoughts that you had uh coming out of that that win i i would, I would say for, for me like I, on on one hand the offense i think is still a big problem um the offensive line played a little better they held like chase young and that pass rush um but th- i would say that the defense and patrick graham has just been like so much better than you could ever expect considering the talent level they have yeah absolutely i mean you did a good story uh today talking to charlie weiss who uh, well, I guess is the entire reason Patrick Graham is a competent uh, defense coordinator. Not really, but uh, <laughs> Charlie to Weiss never shy, <laughs> never shy about you know mentioning his success, and he certainly had plenty of it. So um, it's a good story if people want to go check it out. But uh, Patrick Graham comes off that tree and has had a lot of other influences too, and really has done a nice job here with this undermanned Giants defense. And it was on display again against Washington. It, and I was we were all writing our stories, and we people don't know some people probably know, but you have to have your story ready for the end of the game, basically. And so I had had a line in there about how um, the two under under the radar type guys were, were a big key to a take Crowder and Kyler Fackrell, obviously on that, that play, the strip sack. And yeah. I had mentioned parenthetically that, you know, on a quietly very good defense. And then you almost had to take that out. And I did because of, <laughs> he almost blew the game again at the end. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, really Washington went all the way up the field and oh, then right. scored a touchdown. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. They got their last stand on the two point conversion, but um, it was a stressful uh, deadline for us. I would for say. sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a week in a row with that. And so they, they did almost blow it again, which, which, it, you know, kind of stinks for Patrick Graham because he, on a play-in, play-out basis, their defense has played really well. If you look at the DVOA ratings, they're in the middle of the pack, which I think don't think people would have expected at all. No, not at all. Um, so, but if you just look at the end of these two games, you think, "Geez, man, they almost blew the game at the end," um, and they did blow it in Dallas. And their defense can't be very good, but just look at the numbers and look at it as a whole. And he's done a nice job. So uh, that was a takeaway for sure. And the fact that the offense has struggled, yeah. So the win really masked the fact that the offense has been a mess and continues to be a mess and probably won't get any better against the Eagles on Thursday. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's kind of the big, what like that. So they only scored 20 points again. Daniel Jones still only has three touchdown passes this year. He threw another interception. Um, and, and that one, like whether it, it should have been ruled an interception almost doesn't matter because of the, the way he, he was getting sacked and he just tossed it up in the, in the red zone. He did the same thing against the Steelers and, you can't really throw turnovers in the red zone. That's for sure. I, I think it was like you were kind of jokingly kind of like tracking how bad they were in the red zone throughout the game. And it, and it like lived up to it. And like Jason Garrett still hasn't like adjusted and gotten more. Like I know the week before he was doing some trick plays, but a couple of trick plays doesn't make a creative offense. And um, 
they only threw the ball downfield one time in the, in this last game, and that that certainly has to change. I, I just don't get that part of it. Like I know these receivers are having trouble getting open, but you have Darius Slayton, um, and Daniel Jones can throw the ball down the field. Like scheme it up and try and get these guys out in space or something. Like I, I just don't get his thought process. Yeah, I mean, you said they scored twenty points. Their, their offense only scored thirteen, and they didn't do anything after the first quarter, you know, because all they had was a field goal and then the defensive touchdown after that. And and I and I think the red zone was zero of four, um, and so they're four of sixteen or something like that. I think they were zero of three maybe. So I think they're four of sixteen in the red zone. They're one of the worst red zone teams in the league, if not the worst. They were right down there with the Jets. So. Um, Sunday was just a, a thumbnail sketch of, of everything that's gone wrong for them, um, whether it's turnovers from Jones or the red zone struggles or the uh, lack of the ability or desire to push the ball down the field. You, you saw some more of the reverse end around type stuff that, that again, didn't work. Uh, you did see one thing that has worked, and we talked about this a little bit after the fact, and the zone read stuff for Jones and showing off his his footwork. And I get that you can't do that all the time, but maybe the Giants haven't haven't worked that in enough, considering how successful it's been in, in getting Jones out there yeah. on the run. So it, obviously, there's a risk reward there because if you do that and you get your quarterback hurt, everyone's going to be crushing you for it. So um, I I am curious to see in these last. Uh, 10 games, what sort of adjustments Jason Garrett is able to make considering his offensive line limitations and, and what sort of uh, adjustments he does make. Yeah. And, and one thing, you know, we, we, we talked, we've talked in the past about how it's like difficult to find reasons to criticize Joe judge because he doesn't call plays and all that. But I will say there's a couple instances in this game where it was fourth down, which is a head coach decision. And it was, I believe it was like fourth and two on the two yard line. They were on the on the Washington two, and they kicked a field goal. Yep. And there was another time it was fourth down, and they were on the Washington like thirty something, and they punted it. Like those are just like think, yeah. those are like playing not to lose decisions on a team that and it should be playing to win at all times because they're not good enough to play not to lose. Like I just didn't understand the con- the conservative effort there. Yeah, um, they took the delay a game to back them up to give them more room to punt. Um, yeah instead of instead of going for it and uh yeah i don't get it i mean in that case you're in the you're reasonably far into the opposing team's territory uh, if you can't get two yards there you know what, what are you doing uh, and, he, and even if you don't get it you're you're at the 38 uh and then you're winning a field position battle there and you have probably should have faith in a defense that's playing pretty well so that one doesn't make a lot of sense to me and and we just are getting the sense here that Joe Judge can be a little bit conservative, um, which is interesting because Bill, Bill Belichick has, has sort of developed a reputation in recent years for, for not yeah. doing that. Um, but we'll see what he does going forward, but I think that was the wrong call, and fortunately for him, it didn't come back to bite him. Yeah, and, and so something we could use to transition forward um, off that game is – so they did a, a weird thing on su- Sunday where Matt – Matt Pert started in place of Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas was disciplined for like being late to a meeting the day before, but so they, they rotated the two of them. And I don't think I've ever seen a left tackle rotation considering many people consider that like the second most position, most important position on the yeah. field. Um, Pert actually played pretty well from what I could see. He graded out really well in pro football focus. Thomas played better than he had been because um, he had been maybe the worst tackle in the NFL before that. But um, I, I didn't really understand the thought process there. I guess it kind of worked. 
Um, but the, the biggest takeaway I had is that maybe Matt Pert should be playing more, whether that's at right tackle instead of Cam Fleming or whether it's in, in, instead of Andrew Thomas. Like Joe Judge is always preaching about playing the best 11 players. And if Pert is better than either of those two, then he should be on the field. Like the, the dude is athletic and he can get down the field. And it seemed like he did pretty well in run blocking. But what, what would you make of that whole situation? Yeah, I think you looked at him and he was the type of guy who was a project coming out. Third round pick, yeah. so obviously well-regarded enough to be picked there, but a guy who needed some polish and needed some work, and um, but had the athleticism, and you, you really saw that on Sunday. I think the move would be, you know, Cam Fleming, career backup, who's continued to look like a career backup. You know, make him a backup again and then let this kid play at right tackle. I don't think I don't think you pull the plug on Andrew Thomas yet. We, we talked to a bunch of people for a story – last week about Andrew Thomas and where he's at and what's ahead for him. And the general consensus was, yeah, he's struggling and yeah, he might not have a great rookie year, but you know, you, you let the guy play through it. You don't. And that was what was kind of curious about why, you know, before we knew why he was, uh, why he was benched, you look at it and say, gee, you're, you're giving up on this guy already. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't that he was a little late to a team meeting on Saturday night, but usually that, even even the way they handled that was a little curious because usually a guy would be benched for the first couple series or the first quarter and then he played the yeah. rest of the game. It wouldn't be a yeah. Rotation. It was a rotation instead. Yeah. So so I guess what's that? You know, Joe Judge basically saying like, all right, well, we're gonna give this guy a chance to take your job. Like I don't think that's realistic. Um, if if Pert's gonna play, it's gonna be a right tackle. So I would expect potentially. Um, now I don't know. We don't know how much work Pert's gotten at right tackle. Right. Yeah. I mean. In practice, I'm sure these guys like him, a backup, will work both sides. Um, but how comfortable are they with him on the right side? Um, and some guys can play left, and some guys can play right. That was that was one of the things that we we were able to glean off talking to some of these uh, former offensive linemen. Yeah, it's, it's not as simple as just moving somebody. No, uh, I mean yeah. you, you have to use it's like mirroring, completely different hands. So um, sure, I think there's a possibility Pert goes back to the bench for this game, especially on a short week, and they go back to the to the status quo of Thomas and. Um, and Fleming, especially against his defensive line, you really want to put a, a right a rookie out there against yeah. a right tackle who may not be comfortable. So yeah. I, I think that I think that's the most likely scenario. Yeah, I, I will say though, especially for a team that I, you and I don't think they're going to wind up actually competing for this division. So I would say at, at some point it'll behoove them to start Matt Purd and just see what they have there at the very for least. Sure. You know, start sure. him and Andrew Thomas. Maybe at some point even give Shane Lemieux some some time. Um, like I, there's going to be there's going to come a point in the season where they need to see what they have in these young guys instead of playing like the veterans that aren't going to be here next year. Absolutely. I agree. But I don't think that this it's is not there yet. Yeah, no, because it's a short week. And, and, you, and you, you don't want to kill Daniel Jones also. Yeah, you don't want to kill. Yeah, exactly. Not only do you not want to kill the confidence for Pert, but you don't want to kill the, you know, the body of Daniel Jones. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we kind of talked uh, talked about this a little bit, but like so if if the the Giants do win this game. The trade deadline is coming up pretty soon. We've talked a little bit about the trade deadline. Like, how how do you how do you think that plays into what happens? Because I, I still don't think they, they shouldn't be buying. Certain, they shouldn't trade any draft picks the rest of the year. Um, you know, maybe if you if you need to do a player for player trade or something. But like, I, I still think they should be sellers more, more than pursuing more talent at the deadline. And I'm kind of worried that if they win, they're going to think, could we get this division if we get another piece in here? Yeah, I think that should be the concern for for Giants fans is you know Dave Gettleman um, being overly impulsive about uh, their chances and overly impulsive at the deadline and and let's just not split hairs but delusional about uh, their chances. So uh, if 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 he trades away picks, I mean, come on, I, 
I, I don't, I don't even think he would do that. That'd be brutal. But, I mean, they he, traded a seventh for uh, Isaac Yadam, though. So. What's that? What's that one? They, they traded a seventh for Isaac Yadam. Yeah, they did, so. and that that was you know now they play anymore. So I could see them trading away, you know, a player or or something like a Marcus Golden, where a position they're in all right enough shape, considering he's not a starter. And yeah, I know that Lorenzo Carter's done for the year, but it would be one thing to do that versus trading away like Evan Ingram, a guy who they haven't used a ton, but so also what are you going to get for him? It's not like his value yeah. is super high right now. I would say the the ones that I think make sense to me as guys, they can trade away and maybe still compete as much as they like want to pretend like they're competing or whatever it would be Marcus Golden, who they don't seem to want to play still. And I think he can get, he's a, still a pass rusher and he need pass rushers. Um, so maybe he can get there yeah, and, he's got a track and then try and dump Golden Tate on somebody. Like re- receivers get traded all the time, even when they're not being productive. You think that you can get them working in your offense? Like you saw with Mosa new last year, where they got a second round pick for him. I don't think they would get that much. Maybe a late round pick, but Golden Tate's done nothing for this offense. Maybe you swap him for a younger receiver or something like that. But I, I don't see any value of keeping him around at this point. No, I, I think he's been a been a disappointment, as you wrote right after his fight in in L.A. He's been a disappointment, um, largely from the get go, from getting suspended for his PD usage and um, having an okay enough year to last year, but certainly not up to the, the caliber of what they wanted as as Odell Beckham's replacement and the amount of money they gave him. So, uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think I think Tate and I think Golden would be the guys. I, I don't think you trade Jabril Peppers or Evan Ingram because um, you can trade them next offseason. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like, you can try and get their value up next trade deadline if you have to. Correct, based on need from other yeah. teams or injuries at other teams. Ingram's, I think, especially, like, he's a guy that if you get him producing a little bit, like, he's on paper, like, he's the kind of guy a team would be like, oh, we could really use it. Like, we could really do something cool with him kind of thing. So I, he'd be one you want to build up the value up before you dump him. And basically, you know, you look at Tate, they're probably, you know, they could cut him in the offseason. So it's not like a situation where anyone's going to take that contract. Yeah, so and anything you can get for Tate right now pretty much is. And is and good. Golden's going to be a, a free agent. So you're not, yep. you can't trade him after this, after this season anyway. Um, and with Ingram, you know, what? First round pick 2017, so what, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So next year would be his fifth year option. It doesn't become guaranteed until March because uh, that's still under the, it's the same thing with Dribble Peppers because he was a first round pick that same year with the Browns. Right. So they can trade him to someone who, if they get him, that team will want to pick up his fifth year option uh, and, uh, you know, play, let him play out the year in 2021. So, yes. So the Giants can do that before, you know, that option kicks in and um, dump it on somebody else if, if, if things work out that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, we can talk about wide receiver. Uh, I guess we can get to like the news of the the, the last couple of days. Um, we'll start with Sterling Shepard. So he returned to practice in air quotes. It was like a walkthrough yesterday. Uh, so that means that started his 21-day clock to come off injured reserve. He's been on there since week two when he suffered a turf toe injury. They've missed him pretty badly. He's an injury-prone guy, but he's reliable when he's out there. So they've definitely missed a guy who can like knows how to get open at least. Um, I'm skeptical that he plays on Thursday. There seems to be some people who seem to think it's a possibility, but I mean, the dude hasn't practiced since week two, but like how, how big would it be to get Sterling back, whether it's Thursday or against the Buccaneers? Yeah. I mean, I think more likely against the Buccaneers on November the 2nd, the Monday night game. So not only do the giants get a weekend off, but they get an extra, a little bit extra time because their next game after this one's a Monday night game. And um, yeah, it'd be enormous considering no Saquon Barkley. Um, so at that point you'd have, uh, for the four of your weapons back for Daniel Jones and 
and Slayton and Ingram and Tate and um, Sterling Shepard. So, yeah, the guy missed six games last year. This will be, what, his fifth missed game this year, so that'll be 11 missed games compared to 12 that yeah. he actually played in since the start of last year. And this is a quietly bad contract that Dave yep. Edelman gave out. That, that A lot of people don't talk about this. He gave it to him too early. For various reasons. But um, <laughs> you look at the numbers in this deal, and it's been bad. And, and even if they cut him um, after this season – um, the dead money, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's like maybe like a three million savings and a six million dead money, or maybe it's it's reversed. I think it's obviously more palatable if it's reversed, but I think his cap hits nine million dollars or something like that next year, which is not terrible. But um, if the cap goes down, and it probably will, um, that's certainly a larger percentage of the cap than it would have been. So uh, I understand, you know, bad injury luck, and I understand concussions. Uh, you have to set them aside, but sorry, I mean it's it's a it's a it's a cold league in terms of staying available and there's nothing he could have done to avoid concussions i get that you can't be um, prone to concussions i guess you can more easily get one if you had one before but it's not through any fault of his own and no one's saying it's through any fault of his own he's not being you know doing anything to cause this but the bottom line is you have to be available and he hasn't been available enough yeah so he has a nine million dollar cap in next year and you, you're pretty much on the money. If they cut him, they only save $3 million and they yeah. get a $6 million dead cap hit. So Thanks. Yeah, probably, I mean, I that's not, bunch, so yeah. Yeah, it's not enough savings to like do it, so he'll probably stick around. Um, and then his contract, I mean, then he almost certainly will get cut unless he's like a pro bowler next year uh, before the 2022 season where his cap hit goes up to 10.5 mil. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, that's not as maybe not as bad as the uh, as the Golden Tate contract. Uh who, because he, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess Golden Tate's played more, but I don't know. Both of those are, he handed, D, Dave Gettleman handed those both out at the same time, and um, it hasn't really worked out. And the, the way they've built this offense around Daniel Jones has not really helped him, I would say. No, I think that if you even go and look at the Saquon Barkley pick, and I know that's, you know, he's the sacred cow for Giants fans that you can't criticize that, that pick, but he if anyone looks at this team objectively and a lot of people you know in analytics or whatever have you don't take a running back there you don't and and um they did and it hasn't worked out mainly because of injuries entirely because of injuries he's a really good player when he's on the field but um you have to look at what you're getting there versus replacement level quality uh for either a lower pick or a cheaper acquisition so it's old school thinking and uh you, you have the Giants where they are offensively right now. So connect the dots if you want. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then uh, in terms of other news, I mean, I guess it's not it's not minor for this team. So Tay Crowder, who had that that uh pretty much game-winning play, uh, the fumble return touchdown, I guess he suffered a hamstring injury either on that play or shortly after, and he was placed on injured reserve this week, so he's going to miss at least three games. He was their starting middle linebacker next to Blake, so it is a loss even though he's only seventh-round pick. So the fact that he's so important to the defense kind of says everything. Um, and then in a spot, they signed a guy in Jabal Sheard, who is a veteran. He's had some success as a pass rusher. He was on the Patriots a while back uh, where Joe Judge and Patrick Graham both were there. So he's like a depth piece for the for the pass rush. But, I mean, it kind of it shows you that the lack of talent that Patrick Graham was dealing with when Jabal Sheard is viewed as like a major addition by some people, I guess. Yeah, 
and he's not a major addition. So yeah, <laughs> uh, he's a rotational pass rusher. Yeah, and at least for most teams, and we'll see what he does for the Giants. But I presume that that yeah, will true. continue to be the case. But um, yeah, look, I mean, it's not going to get any better in terms of the, the quality of of player on this team necessarily. It's not not a quick fix. Um, and it probably is a fix that's going to be done by someone else besides Dave Gettleman. Like we said at the top, unless they win the division with five wins and <laughs> and they keep them and hang the division champion banner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what if he goes and gets 10 sacks? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, uh, we, we can – so let, let's actually look at this uh, this Eagles game now. Um, so like I mentioned, like the Eagles are extremely banged up, um, but they still have that defensive line that has, you know, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Uh, Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave, like that—that that would be the area that I'm most concerned about. The Giants being able to compete with them, this offensive line trying to block those guys, right? That's a brutal matchup. I think I—I yeah. I, I sent to our tech service, our um, Giants extra tech service, something that I came across last night about this matchup that doesn't really bode well for the Giants. And the Giants are 32nd in pass blocking, uh, Pro Football Focus, and the Eagles are third in pass rush. And the top two teams in pass rush right now are the Steelers and the Bucks, and the, and the Giants have played the Steelers, and then they get the Bucks next after this game. So a couple really tough pass rush groups uh, coming up, you know, led by Jim Schwartz and, and Philly and Todd Bowles down in Tampa, a couple of really good defensive coordinators that will uh, really test this offensive line and test Jason Garrett, um, his ability to protect Daniel Jones. So that, that matchup could be a nightmare for Daniel Jones and this offensive line. Yeah, um, it, Fletcher Cox in particular going against like Nick Gates, like Yikes. Fletcher Cox kind of flies under the radar a little bit because you know, especially because he doesn't put up like the sack numbers that Aaron Donald does, but he's like a he's like a physical and athletic freak, and that's gonna be a that's gonna be a real challenge for for Gates and, and just coming off the edge. You know, if you're playing Matt Pert or Andrew Thomas, you're kind of concerned about that left side too, and. And so, you know, the Eagles defense is pretty good relative to what the Giants offense is. So I, if the Giants are going to win this game, it's going to, again, come down to that defense. You know, Carson Wentz was one of the only people that's turned the ball over more than Daniel Jones. 11 times, nine interceptions, which is crazy. I think he had seven each of the last two years. So it, it, Patrick Graham can confuse Carson Wentz. And, you know, they can stop this receiver, their receiver group, which is kind of full of a bunch of randoms. Um, uh, I guess unless Deshaun Jackson's back, but. Like if they can force some turnovers early, that that would be the only chance I would see them winning this game. Yeah, they need a little bit of luck to break their way, and they need to, their defense to to do some some stuff for them in a big way, like happened against Washington. So, barring that, I don't see any way they win the game. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, let's see, so I, I what what would what's your uh, what was your prediction for this week? What do you have? I sent to our uh, I filed for our prediction thing yeah we do picks every week yeah, yeah 31 10 eagles that might be high in the 31 but i i think the 10 sounds reasonable to me um considering the offense only scored 13 last week and this is a really good defense so maybe 24 to 10 or something like that instead of 31 but i think the eagles win handily yeah i can't remember what i had and i can't seem to find it on my email but um i i did i do have the eagles winning uh i'll say for the sake of this uh uh 24 to 10 um i just like, like again, it's, I just don't see this offense being able to do much against the Eagles defense is what it comes down to. Um, all right. Uh, any, any last thoughts before we get out of here? No, man. I think uh, we covered everything. I thought it was uh, – it's amazing that a team at 1-5 could still be quote-unquote relevant. It's yeah, really no a funny kidding. year in so many ways, and, and especially for the, for the NFC East. But 
these next couple games, I think, are where things could really go south for the Giants, especially because of that really just brutal matchup we talked about with the, the next couple defensive lines that their offensive line is going to play. I just find it hard to imagine that they are going to be able to score enough points in these games to to, to win. I mean, if they scored 13 points against Washington, they weren't going to win. They, they almost certainly weren't going to win. And if they do that again, I don't see any way they their defense can hold up. Um and then they get Washington and Eagles again before the bye week in week 11. But I think this is a, a case of a team that the next couple of weeks is going to slide back and you could be looking at one and seven uh, entering that uh, that next uh, Washington Eagles stretch uh, on starting on uh, what uh, November the uh, 8th to the 15th. So yeah. they'll get some rest after this week again before they play the Bucks. but the Bucks are looking pretty darn good right now. And like I said, that matchup D-line, O-line, for the next two opponents versus the Giants O-line. Just just really ought to scare Giants fans. Yeah, and I would say if the Giants win this game on Thursday, then sure, they're in the race. But if they lose it, I and I don't mathematically, they won't be eliminated for a while, but I think you can pretty much call it when you're one and six, you're not making the playoffs. Like that's the Giants aren't good enough to overcome that. So I mean, that's the mathematical things that have to happen for the division champion to be four and four wins or five wins. Um is is hard to wrap your head around because you got to remember these teams play other teams it's not like they just play each other in the division yeah. and that's how they determine the champ all the wins count the same until you get to a tiebreaker but um so yeah these other teams are going to probably beat some teams it's not like they every team is going to lose every game yeah um, or if you're the eagles you'll tie a few teams and that's better than a loss <laughs> yes all right we can uh, wrap up on that note um as always guys make sure you subscribe we're on all the all the major pod, podcast apps. Um, leave us some reviews. Sign up for our text message service, nj.com slash text. And we'll get back to you at uh, this time next week. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, maybe if the Giants will still be in the race or maybe they won't. Um, we'll wrap it up on that note. Thanks, guys. Thanks.